We're going to open our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Maybe you can put your uh, ribbon in your Bible there so you can get back to it quick enough. Try not to be too long here tonight. Get everybody home. But um, I think my thought, I wanted to save my thought because I was one of the first ones to go up to the to see her there laying there. And as soon as I looked, I was almost stunned by the fact that she was just sleeping. She just looked like she was sleeping to me. She absolutely looked beautiful and she looked like she was sleeping. And I thought that's what God does with Christians. He just puts them to sleep. And someday they're going to get woken up and she's going to meet her soul in the air. And I thought, what a, what a glorious hope Christians have. Now, this message out of Nehemiah was a kind of a pattern of prayer. So I've kind of tried to soften the edges because I think we need something a little softer for tonight. So help me as we, uh, I want to read the whole chapter one of Nehemiah and then just have some thoughts. And so, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, The words of Nehemiah the son of Hekeliah, And it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach, the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations." But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from hence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are the servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who despised to fear thy name, who desired to fear thy name, and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in thy sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. You know the story of Nehemiah, and uh, we read there that Nehemiah was the, the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes and uh, the king of Persia. The year's about 445 uh, B.C., and Nehemiah hears the news that Jerusalem, there's distress there and the people are uh, in, in shame and reproach and, and the walls are broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. And instead of shrugging it off, 
he does something about it. He gets on his knees and begins to weep and mourn and, and pray and, and uh, cry out to God for mercy. But all that God did with me, Nehemiah and his people all through the book there of Nehemiah all started with a prayer. All started with a man who was touched in his heart and decided to get on his knees and pray and ask God to do something. And uh, so I want to I wanna look at the fact that this man, Nehemiah, reveals to us a great truth uh, that we all share with him. Uh, we need God. We need God, and that's the only thing we really need is God. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes we're driven to Him. Uh, we're driven to God by tragedy. We're driven to God by loss. It happens all the time. People that could care less about God, the moment tragedy comes, they're driven to God. And I guess that's a good thing because who knows what, uh, what God will do with that and that their hearts may be changed. But for Christians, even when we have tra tragedy, it seems we do draw a little bit closer to God. That's when we need Him more than we need anything else. And even the air that we breathe, we just need God. We need a personal relationship with Him. It's more than just scratching the surface. Shallowness will not do it in your walk with God. You need to have a deep relationship with God. It needs to be personal. It needs to be close. It needs to be familiar. You know Him, and, and thank God He knows you. But in that word familiar is the word family. And also because you know that you're His, you're his child and He loves you. Turn to Psalm 18 and verse 6. Psalm 18 and in verse 6. Psalm 18.6 says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of His temple and my cry came before Him, even unto His ears. It's good to get a hold of the ear of God. It's good to get a hold of the heart of God. And people can cry out in distress and there's nothing the matter with that. Cry out. Let them know that you need Him. And if it be now because of tragedy and the things that have happened in these past weeks, then, then cry out to Him. We need to talk to Him just like Moses did face to face. We need to be close with God. He's there in that room with you. Believe that God is there and that He hears us. This isn't just black ink on a white page. It's the very promises of God that He hears and inclines His ear when we call Him. This thing or discipline called prayer is the one thing that is absolutely vital in deepening our relationship with God. It's just called talking to each other. You get to know each other more and more. We need Him every day. And as we found out again, we never know what a day holds. We just never know what's going to hit us square in the face. The Eckerts found that out. We've all found that out in different ways. Now an entire church and people have found that out. That we don't know what's coming. Turn to Psalm 61 if you would. Psalm 61. God knew what was going to happen. He wasn't surprised by anything. Psalm 61 and in verse 1, the Bible says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto Thee. When my heart is what? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For Thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. You know who the Eckerts need? They need God right now. That's the one that's going to cover them with His wings and, and put them in a hiding place, in a secret place. And His mercy and grace can be poured out 
in their life and strength. He says, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. No matter where I am and no matter how deep the trouble that we run into, God's still there. And as Corey Ten Boom said, His love is deeper than anything else that you can possibly experience. God's love is deeper. We need God. We need a rock that's higher than the rock that we think that we have. Maybe our family and even our friends. We need God. He's the rock that's higher that I can hold on to that will never let me down. Get real with God. Tell Him everything that's on your heart. And God will become real and will become closer to you. And will become more precious to you as you pour your heart out to God. Tell Him how much it hurts to see what happened to that family. It will help you be even kinder and, and gentler and encouraging to them when it affects your heart too. And it does. I know it does. But God doesn't really need us. Do you realize that? God doesn't really need us. We need God. But He chose us and He loves us. And uh, that's the God who wants us. But He doesn't need us. We need Him. You know, in verse 3, back in, back in uh, Nehemiah, in verse 3 it says, the remnant that are left of the captivity there or province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. I mean, the people were living in shame. There was broken lives. The city was in ruins. And we have a big... Uh, something that happened that was big this week and, and losing that little girl. And, and now she's gone and we grieve and thankfully we know she's with Jesus Christ. But there are big things to pray about in life, you know? There's a big things and it doesn't have to be a tragedy like this. But the most important thing we need to be praying about is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the loss of this little girl hopefully will make us all think how precious life is. And not only that, how precious Christian life is. I get to be a Christian until God takes me home. And I want to deepen my relationship with Jesus Christ. How can I do that? Pray. Talk to Him. Tell Him, I feel far away from you, God. Would you draw close to me? Would you show me what's going on in my own life? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it just head knowledge or, or do you have Him in your heart? Have you ever put faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Because Emmy did. And Emmy's with Jesus now. You know, you can't just say that without knowing. But Emmy knew that Jesus was in her heart. You know, there's big things to pray about. Your, your family. Is your family walking with God? And how much the family needs protection and guidance and constantly have covering prayer over it. The way Job did and others knew that they had to just keep praying for the family. No matter what God does, what, I know what we need to do is constantly cover our children and our grandchildren with prayer and our house with prayer. Pray for other believers. You know, we're not in the Eckerd shoes and we never will be in this case. Uh, all we can do is pray for them. And, uh, and God will hear and, and help them. And we, we need to pray for each other. As Tony said, we're family and we need each other. Uh, different situations. It doesn't have to be a tragedy, but there's a lot of different situations that just need prayer. And there's afflictions and people are hurting and people are broken. You know, every once in a while when I get down, I start thinking about a pastor out in western Pennsylvania. His name is Pastor Nicholson. He's a combat veteran, lost his leg in Vietnam, and he's been pastoring for 52 years. And I told the church there in McCroom, I said, you know, we need to pray for this guy because the one leg he's got left now is getting arthritis in it. And how, you know, it just went from bad to worse. Now we find out he's got macular de degeneration in both eyes 
and he's losing hearing in one of his ears. I thought, Dan, why don't you just shut up, stop complaining, and and start praying for uh, Pastor Nicholson. When you think you got it so bad, you start crying those pity tears. Think about somebody else that could use your prayers and some help and some encouragement because there's a lot of things going on that are in a lot worse shape than you are or you and I are. So pray for each other. Pray for others. Huge needs in people's lives. Marriages are crumbling and and, uh, there's personal tragedies as we see. In fact, entire nations are going belly up. Life itself is full of troubles. And uh, we need to pray about those things. In verse 4, it says, When he heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, there is a time to grieve. There's a time to hurt. There's a time to just sit and think about what is happening in your life. So that time of grieving needs to happen. But when you grieve, it doesn't mean that you despair. We are not in despair. We are just waiting on God. And yes, we are affected by what has happened. The Bible, uh, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139.23, Search me, O God, and know my thought, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Look inside, God, and show me what I need to do during this time. Think about what you need God to hear. Run the issue through your heart. There's times to be quiet before the Lord. Just be silent. Just be quiet. Let God speak to you. Psalm 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. I'm there. Lean on Me. Wait on Me. Let the weight of whatever's happening in your life, let that issue sink down into your heart. You're the one that needs to come to grips with what's happening here. What has happened? And what do I need to do about it? And see it in all of its effects and how, and, and how it reaches into our life. Turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Familiar Psalm in verse 17. Psalm 51 and verse 17. The Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. O God, Thou wilt not despise. That's where Nehemiah was. Nehemiah was broken. There's, there's certainly plenty of us in here today that are kind of broken. I mean, Emmy's not here with us anymore. Uh, we know where she is, but she's not here. She's not going to run down the hallway smiling and laughing. and, and She's just not here anymore. And uh, it, it, it kind of breaks us. And when we come to God, we need to show Him, I'm affected by this, Lord. This hurts. I, I don't know what to do. And it humbles us and it, and it makes us needy, just like Nehemiah was. And you know what it ought to do? It ought to make us little. It ought to make us feel little and frail and powerless. And I can't, what can I do, Lord? See, God already knows we're little. He's big. But when we get little, then we see God as big and that He can do something for us. It's interesting because Saul was only used of God when he was little in his own eyes. And, and when something happens and humbles us, there's nothing wrong with that. Go to God and say, I'm broken, Lord. I'm needy. I need you. And pray. You see how big, a, how big prayer can be. You know, the last thing we need is to, uh, is to think that we got it all figured out and, and we're going to get through this in our own strength. You can forget about that. You know, there's a fish called the puffer fish. And the moment that fish is threatened, it, it gets real big. <laughs> it tries to make himself look big. Well, that doesn't work when the fish is bigger than the puffer fish because he doesn't care how big the puffer fish tries to get. But 
We need to do just the opposite. We need to get small. We need to deflate. We need to get low, just like Nehemiah did. Because God's going to use that, you see. Nehemiah, in verse 5, it says, and, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love Him and observe His commandments. So, what does Nehemiah do? He comes to God in recognition of who God is. He realizes who He's coming to. And you've got to realize that this God loves you, but He is God. He is the Lord. He is Jehovah God. And recognize who it is that you're coming to. He's the one that can do anything. Nothing is too hard for our God. And he begins to praise Him. And he says, He's great. He's terrible. He's awesome. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's merciful. He's wonderful. He is awesome. And you think, Nehemiah is flattering God. He's buttering up God. Not in the least. Nehemiah is not flattering God. Nehemiah is telling God exactly who he is in truth and in reverence. That's what Nehemiah is doing. And it's okay to tell God, you're awesome. You're big. You're wonderful. You're merciful. That's, that's good. Because it, we're not flattering God. Flattery is false praise. We're not falsely praising God. We're telling Him, we know, I know who you are, God. That helps me realize who I am, you see. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says that we must believe that He is. Diligently, when we seek after God, we have to believe who God is. He is terrible. He is mighty. He is, he is big. And He is a covenant keeper. He's a promise keeper. All those things. Know who it is you're approaching. He's God. He's Almighty God. And <clears throat> He has the power and He has the ability to do anything for us in our lives. Recognize just who it is that you're coming to. Now in verse uh, verses 6 and 7, look what it says. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee. And he goes on. What's he saying? You know, when we come to God, we need to ask God. We need to ask God to hear a real evaluation of ourselves. Really take a look into our own hearts. Let God see into our own hearts and, and ask for an evaluation of myself. I need to confess sin. I need, you say, why would you talk about that now? That's not what we need to hear. Well, I think it is. I think the more that we stay right with God, the more that I'm close to God and walking with God, the more powerful and prepared my, my prayer life is. If I'm going to pray for somebody else, shouldn't I be walking with God? Shouldn't I be confessing my sins? Shouldn't I be right with God so that He hears my prayers? I want to pray for someone else. I need to be prepared and, and living right and my sins confessed. I want to stay pure to pray powerful prayers. To make sure that what I pray is getting right to the ear of God. There's no sin blocking it. Someone needs my prayer. So it, it's incumbent upon me to get my, get my life right with God. Look, Personal sin. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. And you know that. Now, the problem is, many times we're just looking for forgiveness. Well, 
Forgiveness is going to come if you first confess the sin. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins. God will always do His part. The Bible doesn't talk about constantly asking for forgiveness. The Bible talks about confession. Confess your sins. Don't, don't try to sweep them under the rug and cover them. Confess your sins. The moment you do, God says, I can forgive you. I will forgive you. So, when we look at that, realize that confession is the key. That's our part. Forgiveness is God's part. And you can be assured He will do what He said He will do. I will forgive you. And not only that, I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, what does that do for me? That sets me on good ground again. And I can pray for the Eckerts. And make sure that when I pray for the Eckerts, that my prayer is getting through to God. Nothing is blocking that prayer. Proverbs 28.13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Shall not prosper. How can I possibly be a help to you if I, if I can't take care of my own life, my own sin? But when I do, I, I can have a better prayer life. I can help you. We don't want to cover up our sin. No cover-ups. You know those file cabinets? I hope this is an illustration you can understand. But you know those, those file cabinets? There's four drawers, right? Now, if you pull the top one all the way out, it will not let you pull the next one out, right? Because there's a safety feature there. If you're standing in front of it, the whole thing could tip over on you, okay? So, with that illustration in mind, many times we confess sins to God and we try to hold back. We try not, we make sure that other drawer is locked, okay? It's locked and we hide those little pet sins away in our heart. And God is saying, come on, confess it. He already knows that it's there. What we need to do is pull out all the drawers and let that thing fall over and let all everything spill out on the floor. Just spill it out. Let God know all the stuff that's in your heart, all those pet sins, and give them up. Don't cover them up. And God will forgive you. Now, back in Nehemiah, verse 8 and 9, it says this. It says, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments, then God was going to bring him back into the land and do all the things that he said he would do. What I think is interesting is that uh, Nehemiah says, Remember to God. <laughs> remember God as if God uh, doesn't remember. God never forgets. But I think, you know, the interesting thing that I see here is that it's okay to tell God what He's already said in His Bible. It's okay to rehearse in God's ears what He's promised. He's not offended by that. You're not hurting God by saying, remember what you said. Now you do it humbly and you do it, uh, you do it with the right kind of heart, but God doesn't mind having His promises rehearsed back into His ears. And that's what Nehemiah was doing. It's for our benefit to humbly remind God what He said. All I'm trying to say and get out of that for us now today is that God's given us a lot of promises. And if you want to, let's nail a couple in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's just look at a couple. It's okay to tell God you promised. God won't be offended if you say that. God, remember you promised. God keeps His promises. In Proverbs, I'm mean, sorry, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17, and their sins and iniquity, iniquities will I remember no more. 
Now, God said he would not remember our sins. So God promised. So God puts those sins in the deepest sea as far as the east is from the west. That's a promise. Instead of going to a whole bunch of them I have here, let's just go to the next page or two. Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He promised. He promised me that he would never leave me nor forsake me. He'll always be there. He promised. Lord, you said you would never leave the Eckerts. You said you would always be there for them. So I'm praying, God, you be there for them, right? I'm holding you to that. God says, you can hold me to it all day long until the cows come home because I promised that I'll be there. I'll never leave them and I'll never leave you because I'm the God who promises and you can have assurances in your life. God doesn't go back on his promises. He's going to be with the Eckerts through this. And he's going to use you maybe to help the Eckerts get through this. Because that's who we have, a promise-keeping God. He told you if you just put faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you could be saved. He promised. Well, I did it, and uh, I'm saved. Little Emmy did it, and she's in heaven. Because God promised to save you. And finally, in verses 10 and 11, back in, uh, in Nehemiah, in verses 10 and 11, Now these are the servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Sometimes we just have to remember who we are. I'm a child of the King. I'm a born-again Christian. Uh, I'm one of God's beloved. And uh, just remember who you are in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Uh, your children just have to say, uh, that's my mommy and daddy. And you'll say, you, that's exactly right. You're my child. Well, God does the same thing. He's my father. He's my Abba father. I am your father. And you're my son. You're one of my children. Turn to 1 Peter, and we'll be finished here. Well, maybe uh, Ephesians, but turn to 1 Peter, please, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Peter 1 and verse 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, God didn't just take all of His riches and glory and, and uh, pay for your salvation. He, he paid a little bit higher price. It's called the death of His own Son on the cross and the shedding of His own blood. He paid a high price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. I think He loves us. I think He loves us. We are His people, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid a high price for us because He loves us. In chapter 2, verse 9, maybe on the same page in your Bible, in chapter 2, verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We're His children. 
We're his servants. We're his people. And we are a unique group, are we not? And we've been chosen, he says, in Christ. Chosen in Christ. And today, uh, maybe we could even realize ourselves that we're, we're cupbearers, just like uh, Nehemiah. We're cupbearers of the King of Kings, though. Amen? We serve the King of Kings. Last verse, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Hey, you're special. You're a child of God. Many people think that they're a child of God, but they've never been born again. You need to be born again in order to be a child of God. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Man, there's so much in those verses of how much God did and, and His will for us and, and that He chose us in Christ and adopted us. God loves us. And we are a special and chosen people in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to mark it down. It's all because we're in Christ. It's all because we're, we're in Him. God is our Father. You know, in chapter 3, verse 20, the last verse here, chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You know, if Nehemiah learned one thing, the whole rest of the book of Nehemiah was predicated on that prayer he prayed. And he prayed that prayer because his heart was affected. And the same thing can happen to us. We've been affected by something this week. And now we need to start praying and helping the Eckerts, and helping ourselves, and helping each other. Uh, just just kind of ride this thing out, and, and uh, see what God's going to do through it. Uh, you know, God's going to bring glory to Himself uh, through this whole thing. I, I guarantee you, I, I'd like to be a part of that, and pray, Lord, how can I be? How can I help? Help me to pray, so that I can see you get glory out of a five-year-old girl going to heaven. I want to know, Lord, how you're going to get glory out of that. Obviously, she's in heaven with you. That's that's one. Let's start ticking them off the different ways that God is going to use what seems to be a tragedy into something wonderful. So in conclusion, you know the end of the story of Nehemiah. You know all that took place. 52 days, the, the walls were put up. All that they did when they got back in the land and building that Jerusalem back up, it all started with a prayer. I'm just trying to encourage you to pray and keep praying. And don't stop praying. It is, as some say, it's a vital breath. We need to pray. There are big things to pray about, so get right with God so that you can enjoy your prayer life. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Praise God for who He is and, and remember His promises. And remember who you are. You're a child of God. You're in Christ. So what should you do? Pray. 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 Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for the encouraging words out of Nehemiah. Father, may we, may we take what we've gleaned out of that, Lord. May it help us to, uh, to just be a blessing. Uh, the Eckerts may never know how much time we put in praying for them this week. 
and asking You to just bless this church. Bless our hearts. Bless mom and dad. Bless even the siblings. Oh God, do something in us because of what You allowed to happen to Emmy. And, and she's with You now. Maybe we need some work done in us, God. Help us uh, to, to just take what we know to be truth and apply it to our lives and help us to be an encouragement to each other. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.